You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. After Abu Talib passes away and Lady Khadija السلام, passes away, the difficulties for the Prophet and the Muslims intensify. Now the Prophet has lost his guardian, his supporter, the one who would be his social support in that society. The Prophet now loses that supporter. And the Prophet knew that it was a matter of time before the Meccans would attempt to assassinate him and kill every remaining Muslim. And there were signs that Quraysh now was working on a scheme to uproot the religion of Islam. The Prophet realized that it was no longer safe to stay in Mecca. Muslims were being more and more persecuted. The chances of them assassinating the Prophet were growing. And so the Prophet had to make a next move. So the next move was to temporarily migrate somewhere. The Prophet was inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to temporarily go to Ta'if, the city of Ta'if. Now it wasn't really a migration because the duration of it was very short as we shall see. Some historical accounts say the Prophet stayed only 10 days there while some state he stayed 30 days there. So it was maximum um, one month that the Prophet stayed in Ta'if. But it was considered an attempt to migrate out of Mecca to find another city that could potentially host the Prophet So it was in that 10th year after the Ba'tha, in the month of Shawwal, which is the month that comes after the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives permission to the Prophet to go to Ta'if. Now where is Ta'if exactly? The city of Ta'if is a city about 100 kilometers, so about 60 miles southeast of Mecca. It was inhabited mainly by the tribe of Bani Thaqif. They were the primary inhabitants of this town. It's an elevated city, so the elevation, elevation of the city is about 6,000 feet. And so its climate, its weather, it's much cooler than Mecca. Mecca is very hot. On your average summer day, the temperature in Mecca can soar to 120 degrees Fahrenheit, but not in Ta'if. Ta'if is considerably cooler because of that higher elevation. It rains more in Ta'if, so they had good agriculture there you would see a lot of greenery in the city of Ta'if. You know, today it's the unofficial summer um, capital of Arabia. Those who are escaping the heat from Arabia, they would go to the city of Ta'if. It has many resorts today. It's like a vacation spot that people would go to, yes. Now Ta'if was also of religious significance at the time to the Arabs. Why? because it housed one of the three main idols 
What were the three main idols that the Arabs worshipped? Lat, Manat and Uzza. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran in Surah Al-Najm, أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ اللَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّ وَمَنَاتَ الثَّالِثَةَ الْأُخْرَى These were the three idols. The Arabs believed these idol, idols were the daughters of God. So they would worship them. Now the idol Lat was in Ta'if. Remember they weren't all in Mecca. Some of them were in Mecca. Al-Lat was in Ta'if. They actually had a house of worship dedicated for this idol. The Arabs would go there, they would sacrifice sheep and offer it to this idol. There were some pilgrims who would come to visit the shrine of this idol. And the people of Ta'if sometimes would even compete with Mecca that had the Kaaba and the idols there. So historically it had great religious significance over there. You know, one of their crazy beliefs was that when it would get too hot in the summer, they believed God would actually go to Ta'if by his daughter Lat and you know to escape the summer heat. They had some of these fancy beliefs. So the Prophet decides to go to Ta'if. He leaves Mecca, he goes to Ta'if. Who does he go with? Some historical accounts state Imam Ali was with him, while some other historical accounts tell us that Zayd ibn Haritha, you know the adopted son of the Prophet, he went with the Prophet. It is possible that maybe both of them went, but we do have accounts that state Imam Ali accompanied the Prophet on this very important trip. So the Prophet goes to Ta'if, he visits every noble man, every tribal leader there discussing with them the religion of Islam, the path of God, however they all unanimously reject the Prophet Now they realize that the youth who were good-hearted, pure-hearted, innocent, were being attracted to the message of the Prophet. So they give the Prophet an ultimatum. They told him, look, leave our town. You're not welcome here, leave. Because our youth will start following you and we don't want that happening. So we're giving you advice, leave. Now the Prophet is still trying to preach the message of Islam over there. What they do is they form two lines and as the Prophet is passing, they stone the Prophet, they hurl stones at him. The feet of the Prophet start bleeding. Imam Ali salam, or Zayd, if he was with the Prophet, his head is now fractured because of the stones. He's wounded and the blood is now flowing because he's trying to defend the Prophet taking the stones so that they don't hit the Prophet. Now the Imam the Prophet wanted to seek refuge. They're now chasing him with stones and he's running away from them to secure his life, to seek refuge. When he reaches a garden or a farmland, it was a beautiful piece of garden owned by Utbah and Shayba, the sons of Rabi'ah. They were Meccan elites. They had a farm in Ta'if, around the city of Ta'if. The Prophet goes, he reaches that garden. So the Prophet is now resting, you know, breathing, taking a breath when he reaches this area. Ibn Hisham in his Sirah book, he narrates when the Prophet reached 
this place and he was now safe from the aggressors, he raised his hand in dua and he made the following dua. Imagine the Prophet. He had to leave his hometown of Mecca. He comes to a new city, not a single person believes in him. They hurl stones at him. The Prophet says, Allahumma ilayka ashku da'fa quwwati. Oh Allah, I complain to you. I'm telling you about the weakness of my strength. Look at the people, how light they've taken me. Ya Arhamar Rahameen, Anta Rabbul Mustabafeen. Oh, the one who has the greatest mercy. You are the Lord of those who are deemed weak, those who are oppressed. Wa Anta Rabbi, you're my Lord. Oh Allah, who are you submitting me to? To strangers who will be so rough with me? Or enemies who now will overpower me? But then the Prophet after saying this, he says, but oh Allah, I'm concerned about one thing. It's okay, I'll experience all this difficulty for your sake. In lam yakun bika, Oh Allah, if you're not angry with me, if you're not upset with me, then I don't care. Let them do whatever they want. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in the light of your face. Now he's saying this symbolically, of course, that has given light to even the darkness. وَصَلَحَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ مِنْ أَنْ تُنْزِلَ بِغَضَبَكِ Oh Allah, I seek refuge in your light, so you protect me from doing anything that angers you. Look at the faith of the Prophet. He's doing exactly what God wants him to do. He's being harassed, he's almost killed, yet he says, Oh Allah, my only concern is not to disappoint you. This is the Rahmah of the Prophet, this is the Iman of the Prophet Oh Allah, I will keep begging you and knocking at your door until you are pleased with me. The Prophet makes this dua. Now the owners of this farmland, you know those two pagans, they see the Prophet in that state and in the end the Prophet was from their hometown, from Mecca. It seems they feel bad for the Prophet. So they had a servant by the name of Adas. They tell him, go and take some grapes to the Prophet so he can eat. So Adas, he takes some grapes, he offers it to the Prophet. The Prophet takes a few of those grapes. Before eating, he says, Bismillah, I eat in the name of Allah. Adas was shocked. He tells the Prophet, not knowing who the Prophet is, this is the first time I hear someone in this area mentioning the name of God before he eats something. Who are you? How come you're saying this? The Prophet asks him, who are you? You introduce yourself. He tells him, I am Adas, I am originally from Babel, from Babylon, uh, from Nainawah, sorry, north of Babylon. I am from Nainawa in modern day Iraq and I am a Christian, I'm not a pagan, I'm a Christian and I heard you saying in the name of God, who are you? When the Prophet heard that he's from Nainawa, 
he told him, oh, so you're from the village of, of Yunus ibn Metta, Prophet Yunus Jonas. He tells him, and how do you know Jonas? Who's told you about Jonas and he's from that village? He tells him, because Jonas, Yunus ibn Metta is my brother. He was a prophet and I am a prophet. When Adas realizes that, he falls at the feet of the Prophet, kissing him, and he says, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna ka Rasulullah. You are the Messenger of God, and the Prophet introduces himself to him. Now, when he becomes Muslim, Adas, his owners, the pagans who owned him, right? The sons of Rabi'ah, they get shocked. One of them tells his brother, See, he's even corrupted our servant. He's uh, put some spell on him. He gave, he went, he talked to him for a few minutes and he became a Muslim. And that really disturbed them. So now the Prophet gives up on the people of Ta'if. They literally kick him out and they start chasing him with stones. So he had no choice but to leave the people of Ta'if after about 10 or 30 days. So maximum he spent only 30 days in the city of Ta'if. Now by the way, one reason why Ta'if vehemently rejected the Prophet was a political and economic reason. Ta'if had strong economic ties with Mecca because Mecca did not have vegetation, um, fruits, crops. Where would they import their fruits and crops from? One of the cities was Ta'if. So if the people of Ta'if would have accepted the message of the Prophet, the Meccans would have immediately done what? Boycotted them. And that would have disrupted their economy. That's why the elders of Ta'if don't even try to engage in dialogue with the Prophet to see if he's really truthful or not. They knew he was telling the truth. They told him, look, we're not interested. We have a social economic system. It's going to disrupt it if we believe in you. So just leave us. So this is one reason why they really rejected the Prophet because Ta'if in the end at the time it was a small town and they were heavily dependent on Mecca. So they, didn't, they did not want to risk jeopardizing their relationship with, the, with Mecca. Now here's an important question. Was the journey to Ta'if a failure? Pointless? Why would God have the Prophet go to Ta'if when he couldn't even stay there 10 days. What's the point of the Prophet going there? When Allah knows that it's not going to work out. Yes. Like, isn't it just to give them the message? Like, like a warner, just as a warning. So that's one of the reasons. Four primary reasons why the Prophet went to Ta'if, even though he knew their reaction. Number one, the Meccans had propagated that the Prophet is a sorcerer, magician. He casts spells on people. Now when you are dealing with accusations like that, it is your rational moral obligation to go and make yourself visible to the people to dispel these misconceptions. See some people, we see that in our society today, when people start accusing them, what do they do? They retreat back, they isolate themselves, they don't want to see anyone. Islamically this is wrong. When people are brainwashed, 
and another image of you has been presented to the people. Go out there in society, show your real personality. Eventually people will realize that what has been told about you are, is, is false. It's just allegations and fabrications. So the Prophet wanted the people of Ta'if to see him firsthand to realize that the Meccans are lying because maybe some people really had doubts. When the people of Ta'if saw the Prophet, they knew in their hearts, now this was a true messenger. They saw him speak, they heard his message. And so the Prophet is actually showing us that when people do that to you, don't isolate yourself, make yourself lonely and not meet anyone. That's not a healthy thing to do because it, it might even reaffirm some of the misconceptions in the minds of people. You'll end up being depressed and you'll lose your cause. Go out there, don't be afraid. If you know the allegations to be false, be courageous, go and show yourself. Eventually the truth will prevail. So that's one lesson the Prophet ﷺ was demonstrating. The second very important lesson, the Prophet is teaching us, look, when you work on a project, whatever it is, whether it's for Islam, big grand global project, whether it's a small project, whether it's a business project you have for Allah and Ahl bayt whatever it is, there will be times when you will try something, it's not going to work. You'll reach a dead end. Don't give up. I went to Ta'if. It didn't work out for me, but I didn't stop. I didn't give up. Then I tried Medina, it worked out for me. So the Prophet is practically teaching us that this is the natural cycle of life. You will end up doing things that are not going to work out for you. What happens to most people, they get demoralized. See, if the Prophet did not have that spirit from God, after Ta'if, he would have given up. Okay, what's the point? I tried going to another village, not a single person believed in me. Forget it. The Prophet is teaching you, no. I went to Ta'if, I got stoned, nobody cared about me. I had to go back to Mecca. I didn't give up. Then Allah opened it for me. I went to Medina and everything changed. So the first migration, okay, it was a failure. But there, there's a lesson in it, don't give up. There is another pathway. So the Prophet is actually practically demonstrating to us, don't think that the path of God or the path of life in general, you know, there's a red carpet um, for you over there. No, there will be thorns on the way. You have to make adjustments, recalculations. You have to keep trying until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you victory. And this was really a powerful lesson for the later Muslims who came and they saw how Allah really elevated the Prophet in Medina. They're like, wow, who would have foreseen, who would have seen that before when the Prophet was in Ta'if? Who would have foreseen that? No one. So this was a beautiful attempt, you know, uh, by the Prophet by the instruction of God, of course, to show us this wonderful lesson. And the Prophet is also teaching us, look, don't look at instant results. If you're obsessed with instant gratification, you know, today we have the culture of what? Instant gratification. Especially with our technology, we want things instantly, at the touch of my button. And the problem is our kids are growing up with this culture. That's why the new generation is really impatient. You know, you want things instantly. If that Amazon Prime shipping does not arrive in two days, you're agitated. Okay, what's the big deal? Maybe there was a weather delay. The world is not upside down, it's okay. 
See, we want things instantly. And now, by the way, speaking of Amazon, they're working on these drones that can actually, um, you know, deliver, yeah, deliver the package the same day to you. Look at the impatience of the human being. Are you going to die if you don't get that package today or tomorrow? Are you going to die? <laughs> Believe me, no one will order a first aid kit that way. So, impatience. The Prophet is teaching you, look, have patience. If you want to be obsessed with instant results, then I failed. I, as your messenger, failed. Look at long-term results. So initially, there were no tangible results in Ta'if. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the path. So there are beautiful lessons that the Prophet was demonstrating to us in his journey to Ta'if. And so it's wrong because some have accused the Prophet, you know, some maybe orientalists, some historians, when they look at the Prophet's journey to Ta'if, like, oh, this was a failure. What a bad idea the Prophet came up with. No, it was by the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet goes back from Ta'if and he tells Imam Ali alayhi salam, it's okay, let's have patience. In the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us victory if he wants. 